So I'm with Pat, who is the, so Pat Sebastian, correct? Yeah, that's me. Hello. You are, hey, how's it going? It's going good, how are you? <laughs> good. And so Pat and I have been, we just started talking mm, back and forth over email not very long ago. And then we spoke on the phone last week and we thought, yes, doing a podcast together would be something that we'd both enjoy doing. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for taking the time to be with us and for being very patient as I tried to navigate Zoom for the first time. I've done it. And <laughs> you know, it's so funny because I've, I've done it over the pandemic, but um, I had it all set up on my desktop at home and I don't know, it was like doing it all over again for the first time today. And anyway, so thanks for being patient as I navigated that. No problem. <laughs> you know, I actually forgot my password to get in. It's okay. And it locked me out for 30 minutes. Okay. That's, um, that's fun. Yeah. Well, I guess when the pandemic hit, there were all these security issues that became apparent with zoom. So they've, they've tightened things up as a result. So, yeah. <laughs> so they're like, yeah, maybe too much, maybe a so. little too much. And my memory just doesn't serve me well enough. So, it's okay. Nobody, every, everybody has the password problem. So <laughs> there are companies, there are software companies that exist to solve that problem where <laughs> you can just like store all your passwords, right? You know what? I've heard about this. I think maybe it's time that I actually take advantage of it. Uh, so I want to talk about Moody and I want to talk about what brought you there because earlier in the conversation, you were saying that you had, um, kind of gotten into the entrepreneur, entre, I knew I wouldn't be able to say the word, entrepreneurial world. Wow. Yeah. I can't say that startup, word. We could say startup world. How's that? Let's say startup world. That's much better. Yeah. Thank you. Cool. And, and so that implies to me that there were some other startups that perhaps you were involved in before coming to Moody. Is that right? Yeah, 100%. So I kind of give my background a little bit. Um, if that is that a good place to start? That's a great place to start. Right. So, you know, I was come I come from a military family, so I bounced around a lot as a kid growing up, um, but kind of settled in Moncton, New Brunswick. And um, when I when I left high school, I went to Dalhousie University um, and my plan, my game plan at the ripe old age of 17 <laughs> was to become a physician. I wanted to become a physician and I wanted to join the military like my dad, um, you know, follow in his footsteps. And, uh, that was not, that was not in the cards for me. And I decided, you know, um, I decided to pursue, um, languages instead. Um, and so that's what I got my degree in, in, you know, German. And I did a lot of studies in French and some in Arabic as well. Okay. And then I kind of left university and I was like, okay, so I'm not going on to become a translator and I'm not going to like go get a master's and a PhD and become a professor. So I didn't really know what to do. So I resettled in PEI and um, kind of found my way into a mental health tech startup. And I was involved with uh, that startup for a couple of years. And, you know, I've had my own, you know, I'm not going to get into details about it, but I've definitely, I've had my own journeys with mental health and, you know, there've been people close to me as well. Mm. Um, and I guess I've just kind of made it my mission in life, um, 
to try to reduce the suffering in the world. And this is kind of how I ended up with how I ended up with Moody. Um, Cause I was, I, there was a bit of a gap between um, the last mental health technology company that I was in. And it's a, it's a totally different type of company. So they're not like, they wouldn't be competitors, for example, okay. but in any case, um, yeah, I took a bit of a break and got into a lot of like startup coaching and consulting and just working with like island companies and Atlantic Canadian companies. Um, really passionate about just getting entrepreneurs through this. Like it's, it's a slog doing a startup. It's really hard. Um, and so it's like, you know, I remembered all my pain from like being a part of a startup and I was like, let's, let's help these people kind of, you know, if I could save them a couple months here and there, mm. um, you know, so I do a lot of that, but also, you know, then I just kind of got through that. I kind of got connected up to the founders of Moody, Richard Wilson and, uh, Michael Sandalis and it's, it's all history from there, I guess. I find the fact that you want to make the world a better place, like very inspiring. And also it's something that you kind of hear a lot, but it's something. And so it can make people weary of it. Right. And so I wanted, mm -hmm. but I, from the, the past conversations that we've had, I really do believe that that's something that's actually quite personal and it's really come from like a, a place deep inside that you're like, no, this is something that's really important. And absolutely. We, okay. So I want to get a little bit into some of the, um, philosophy behind that. Mm -hmm. So okay. let's do it. Okay. So let's do it for, for a little bit. Um, and also, uh, before actually, before we do that. Okay. I want to get into what exactly Moody does for us or right. what it, yeah so i mean you you don't you download the app and and it's 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 very you know and richard and mike they spent a number of years developing this really amazing um really amazing youth app and it, it's incredible you can't download it in canada anymore because we've temporarily put a pause on that and that's kind of what i was brought in to do was to take the adult app and get it in a sense, commercialized. So how does, how does this app help people, but also how do we sustain the business, you know, financially, you know, commercially as well. So to answer your question, the very basic premise of the Moody, Moody for adults, feeling Moody app is, um, you track what you do. You can set up your routines and things like that. You track how you feel and you can also do a couple of light, you know, what I would, I guess we'll call like psychoeducational exercises. So, you know, learning more about anxiety or stress or, and there's also breathing exercises. And so you do all of that. And then eventually you start to see the correlation between the connection potentially between your actions and your moods. Um, and so that's really the basic value that we provide to, um, or that we, we hope to provide <laughs> to people using the app. So, um, and there's a lot of stuff that we want to do with that and a lot of stuff that we want to add to it to make it better and to help more people and reach more people. Um, so that's pretty much the basic, the basic premise behind it for, 
you know, what we would say, I guess the everyday person. So, yeah. And this is something that would be available to the everyday person. Yeah. You can download it on the, uh, you can download it on the app store. You can get it on Google play for Android. Um, don't, don't, if, if you're on Android, um, uh, our Android version is a little bit buggier than the iPhone version. So don't, don't begrudge me if it's not great. Um, but yeah, you can get it by searching for Moody and it's spelled M O O D I E, um, or feeling Moody, or you can go to feelingmoody.com um, and find a link to it there. But yeah, it's available for, you know, all f- devices, tablets, that kind of stuff. So you can't get it on your Tesla yet, but maybe someday. Maybe someday. And <laughs> <laughs> there's a, it's good to always have things to aspire to. It's funny, my husband works for a technology company. And so the, just when you were saying the thing earlier about uh, it, the Android version might be a little buggy. It's just like, this is like the language that tech companies are all, they're like, yeah, I know we're always, like you're always working to improve it, always finding something else new that you're like, okay, yeah, now we need to work through that. And so I can, I can kind of feel you there. Um, Absolutely. We're really, we're really focused on, um, we're really focused on our like Moody for clinicians platform right now. Mm. And so as a result, we're a little bit like less, you know, for the everyday person who uses the app, we we're a little, <laughs> unfortunately, <laughs> we're just like a little, little less, a uh, little fewer features for that right now. Yeah. Well, but, uh, we're, we're going to get back to it. So, yeah. And, uh, you know, I, we're really coming to a point where society is becoming much more aware of how our actions really do affect our mood and how like our mind and our body really are connected. They're not two separate things. You can't just stuff away everything that's going on in your mind and then expect your body to behave the way that you want it to. So Mm -hmm. I love that this app is drawing attention to that. It's about time. And we're really trying to do it in like a non-biased way. So it's not like, you know, you go on there and, you know, you do, you put in your, you know, your moods and you log what you're doing over a week. And then we're like, oh, it looks like you're like super anxious Mm. when we don't do that because it's, you know, maybe, maybe someday, you know, down into the future when this, if this turns into, uh, you know, an actual health technology app, but really we're just showing you, we're just showing you the, like, you know, we're just making it really easy to see what it is that you've put in and, mm-hmm. you know, sort of see how that, you know, goes over time and, you know, and then you can, you can draw your own conclusions. Obviously. Yeah. And I love that because I, because I think that a lot of the time in mental health, we do tend to look to other people to t- kind of tell us, like, explain to me what's going on here. But a lot of the time, and I, I mean, I'm speaking as a person who's gone to many psychologists Mm. A lot of the time, it's just like it. the question comes back to you and it's saying, well, what do you think? Yeah. And so I'm a huge advocate for for having a good psychologist, a good doctor doing medication if if need be and also listening to your own body. And I think Mm -hmm. that all of that needs to be like you need all of it in order to help maintain your mental health. Yeah, it's, um, it's a big, I don't want to say complicated, but it almost is. It's a, it's a bit, there's a lot of pieces yeah. to mental health. Yeah. And it's all very connected, you know, internal, external, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual. It's, there's a lot to it. So 
Yes, it's so it is complicated. And so we need all the help that we can get. And then so so then you and your partners have come along and you are you're giving us access to something, another tool that can help us through the journey. Yeah, that's 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 definitely definitely the hope. You know, I'm not a I'm not a mental health professional. Um, we do have we do have a clinical advisor who's a certified uh, Canadian certified uh, counselor CCC okay. on our on our team, and uh, eventually we'll likely uh, recruit somebody on the on our advisory team that's uh, more so up in the PhD or doctorate in psychology. Um, uh, that's up in sort of academia and the research world. Mm. But a- anecdotally, we we've heard that it's helping people. Um, I can't put that through like a research study and say, Hey, Moody does X, Y, Z or X, Y, Z. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, we're a little bit for too far away from that, I think, but, uh, to be able to say anything like that, but, um, yeah, anecdotally, it, it really seems like it does, it does help people. And so I want, now I want to get into your desire to help people. Sure. Because. I think that a lot of us are becoming weary, especially given the political climate right now and, you know, life experience. We get suspicious, but I think that it also presents a great platform for the people who are truly wanting to help to shine because Mm. you start to be able to see the difference. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. I'm generally, here's the thing. I'm generally like not a suspicious person, maybe, maybe to a fault. Um, <laughs> I'm a little too trusting. Uh, yeah, that can definitely know, be me. Richard, Richard and Mike are probably going to listen to this and take notes. Okay. Reasons why Pat should not be CEO. <laughs> um, but in any case, uh, <laughs> I think, I think that, uh, no, I don't know. I, I, I see, I think I see where you're coming from. Yeah. I think maybe like I'm becoming more of a suspicious person. And I think a lot of that actually has to do with some personal stuff that's going on with me right now. Okay. Fair uh, but still I have managed to meet people who have genuinely good hearts and who are just very helpful people. And the way that their mind operates is something that has always fascinated me because just like, but why, why do you care? Like, why does it matter? So I, I mean, so again, I'll, I'll say, you know, I've gone through my own stuff and um, probably like everyone, I very much respect folks who, including you, who, who want to, you know, who share about their journey. It's just publicly, it's just not really for me. Mm. But, you know, I guess you have to take me at my word when I say I've gone through stuff and mm-hmm. I understand, I understand pain and I understand um, almost what I would call like soul pain on like a really deep level. Um so just like incredible amounts of like suffering. I definitely have a lot of people in my, you know, in my social network, even in my professional work network, who have gone through some pretty serious stuff. And there was just a point kind of in my journey sometime, I guess, I don't know, where I just said like, this is, I just started to understand how important it was to to just try to help other people in whatever way I could. I'm not, you know, I'm not, and I'm not saying I'm like mother Teresa or anything like that, but 
the amount of folks who are suffering needlessly, um, and there's a difference between pain and suffering. I, I do draw a distinction there because I think I think that there is some pain and suffering in life that is necessary to shape us as human beings, to teach us about the world, to give us values and, and to know what's good and what's bad. Mm. But I also think there's just like, there's way too many people that, for example, they, they aren't able to go to work because they feel so crappy or it affects their family life, mm. um, affects the family unit. Or, um, I don't know, they end up hospitalized with mental health issues, um, mental health concerns, or, or, or even, you know, unfortunately, so many people that end up uh, committing suicide or even attempting. Mm. And I think, like, why can't we figure this out? My wife and I, we just watched NASA and SpaceX launch a rocket the other day with four, four or five, four, I can't remember how many astronauts. And the precision and math that goes into that to get that to dock with the international space station and the thousands of people that worked on that and i'm like okay so we can figure out how to do that why can't we figure out (laughs) mental health why can't we figure out behavior so eventually what i would like to be able to do is is figure this out from uh, a different sort of perspective Right now, you can't get a blood test that tells you that you have depression. If you have anxiety and you go to your doctor about it, they might want to check your thyroid levels, for example, with a blood test. But a lot of the stuff, there's no like real empirical way to measure it. And so what that means is people are relying on the people that diagnose these conditions and treat them. They rely on tools that they just, that in my opinion, they should just have better tools. They should have more tools. It's not their fault. They are absolutely doing the best with what they have. And there are certainly many people out there, many clinicians that do an amazing job. But the tools that they have, it's like, it's like so they have self-reporting scales. So you go in and a patient goes in and they talk about, okay, I have all these things, you know, and then you fill out a questionnaire or something like that, mm-hmm. get psychological testing done. And then you have to rely on the person's, uh, the clinician's experience um, in interpreting those results or being able to observe symptoms. Often people with mental health challenges don't present with symptoms in the office, in the clinician's office. Mm -hmm. And the way to figure out if you're making it better, you know, is like you prescribe medicine and see how it goes. Mm -hmm. And everybody like responds so differently to certain medications, right? Like, you know, it's not uncommon for somebody who's seeking treatment for depression to go through two or even three antidepressants Mm -hmm. to find what's right for them. The analogy that I draw is that it's kind of like there used to be a time when it was really, really, really hard to diagnose and catch heart palpitations or weird heart beats arrhythmias because it was simply like a person would have it happen and then it would just stop right it was just these like random little you know things it was intermittent it's not constant so you know you go to the hospital and get put on a monitor a cardiac monitor and it just used to be so it still is it's really hard to catch on the monitor like if they can catch that like two second palpitation that may or may not happen in the hour or two that you're on the monitor, 
it's like, wow. And so the technology that the tool that came in that really helps doctors deal with that now, they've been around for a little while. They've gotten a lot better in the past couple of past five to 10 years. They're portable cardiac monitors and they're, they're just, they're small. They're like a little device. It's almost looks like a cassette recorder or something, <laughs> um, but it's digital. And you know, that you go to the hospital, get it put on, they attach leads to your chest, like you would with a, with a cardiac monitor. And then when you feel like you're having like a little quote unquote event or arrhythmia or palpitation, you press a button on the thing. And then you just write down in a little booklet, like the time and what was happening. And so you, at the end of it, you know, after 24 hours or 48 hours, you give that back to the people they go through, obviously they have the data from like the whole time, but then they're drawn to where those markers are. Right you know, so there's going to be some cardiologist listening to this. That's going to be like, this isn't how it works, but presumably <laughs> this is helpful. This is helpful. What I want to do eventually is figure out how to bring a tool like that into mental health. And there's a lot of smart people, you know, all over the world that are already going after this challenge. I don't think we're, you know, we're inventing anything new here. I'm hoping we're going to figure it out. I guess that's me. Yeah. Yeah. I'm letting that soak in for a second because that's very, that's inspiring. And it sounds like that you've had events in your life that have basically led you to be able to have empathy. And Hmm. so, and that's what has led to you being like, okay, let's make this so that like, I can, yeah, I can understand that pain that people are feeling. And I understand that this is something that just doesn't need to be had. Like we, we, we can have empathy, right. But like on what level, you know, like I've, I've never had cancer and I don't have cancer in my family, you know, so I've only known a couple of people with cancer. You can never truly understand how devastating it is until you either go through it or like someone really close to you goes through it. Yeah. And I don't have a great understanding of what that's like, mm. but I do understand some other things. And so I have a, I guess a deep level of, I don't know, caring and empathy and just wanting to like, yeah, help people. Yeah. It's like that ability to draw on, to look at an experience that somebody else is having and then think back and draw on a personal experience that's somewhat similar and then being like, okay, I can have some kind of idea of what that feels like. It's like being a parent, right? I've been told by so many people, like, you're never going to, you know, understand what it's like to be a parent until you're a parent. Mm -hmm. Um, I think mostly it's my mother who's told me that, too. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And, 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 you know, uh, my wife and I are expecting our first in um, in April. Congratulations. Thank you. (laughs) And I know you I know you have kids. Yeah. And I'm just like at the beginning of like starting to have all these feelings and anxieties and worries and excitement, like all this world of like emotions that I, I never knew existed. And, and, and it's, it's, you know, it's, it's not even April yet. So, <laughs> and I'm, I'm like, Whoa, like parenting is a thing. It's <laughs> a thing. I mean? <laughs> Absolutely. Oh my gosh. And it is. Yeah. And you're so right. It is something that it's like, you don't really get it until you experience it yourself. I'm sure I have a, I'm going to learn a lot over the next. Yeah. Like I'm, I'll, I'll never fully get it. Right. Like I'll just new experiences at different points in times. So yes. And that, that being said, 
I definitely have people in my life that have shown more empathy toward parenting and the trials that come along with that than others who, and neither of them are parents themselves. And I feel like that applies to mental health as well, because Mm -hmm. yeah, there are just some of us who just have more trouble relating to that struggle even when we don't have it ourselves. So, and I have people in my life, like mentors in my life that uh, have said that they personally haven't struggled very much with, with mental health, but have uh, an empathy toward people and well, toward me because I'm speaking from personal experience here. Sure. They have an empathy toward me where it's like, it's, it just feels like they do get it. So Mm. it's kind of like, and so while it's like staying there and being like, you know what? I can understand this well enough to know that I can't like directly relate with you or directly relate to you. But I can have, I have this sense of like this understanding of what it is that you're going through. And there's that like pull inside me to then be like, okay, you know what? I actually, I, I have a good idea of what I can do to help you with this. And, and that's something that I want to do. And And I think it's, sorry, go ahead. Well, uh, I was just going to say that's something that's not common because because we all have the thing that we do and so i want you to please say what you're saying instead of me constantly interrupting you no it's good i i love your insights on this um because so you know someone once said to me like it's all just pain right like like it like what's what's the connection between like you know chronic illness and and mental health and, you know, life experiences and, you know, like severe challenges that you face in your life. Right. It's like, it's all just, it all just comes down to pain. Like, yes, it's different shapes of and sizes and forms of pain. Hmm. Um, and then, you know, suffering kind of comes into it at a certain point, I think I'm getting a little philosophical. Now you go through enough stuff in your life, you're going to be able to relate to somebody who's in pain, whether or not you've been through that experience yourself and Mm. I think that having that level of empathy is just like it's important can you get on you know can you know exactly what it feels like you know I've never broken a bone do I know what it feels like to like break your arm no but I I know what you know I've been told there's like can be a pretty significant amount of physical pain associated with it and I know I've been in you know I've had significant pain from injuries it's like, you know, I know I'm never going to know the ins and outs of breaking your arm. Well, I may someday, but in any case, hmm. never going to know the ins and outs of breaking your arm or I don't currently know the. But like, you know, I, I can empathize. Mm. I love that. And and so there's another uh, there's another perspective on empathy that my sister actually recently told me about that I found to be really helpful, too, because I find that for me. A lot of the time I can get myself, mm, how to properly put this. For me, I find that I can see that somebody needs help and be like, I know how to help them. So I'm so obviously I, I need to help them. But it's not acknowledging the fact that I actually don't have like the energy needed or 
or quite the perspective necessary to be as helpful as I can actually be. And so then there was something that she said to me. She said, there's a few forms of empathy or there's sympathy, empathy, apathy. Sympathy is seeing somebody who's fallen into a hole or into quicksand and then you're jumping in after them to try to get them out and then now you're both in the quicksand. Empathy is being the person who comes along, you see that somebody's fallen in quicksand and you have firm footing outside of the quicksand and you have a rope and you're throwing it in and you're helping them out of the quicksand. So you're not going in and experiencing exactly what they're doing, what they're going through and like drowning with them. You're seeing the need for help and you're being like, and I have my feet here on solid ground so I can, and I have this rope so I can use this now to help pull them out of it. And then apathy is of course the person who sees that happening and being like, eh, and they keep walking. It's interesting. Well, I, I agree with your definition of apathy. The definition of empathy and sympathy is very, um, <laughs> it's like there, there are a lot of different definitions for this and a You're lot right. of people trying to figure out how to understand empathy versus sympathy. Yeah. I so- say, let, let's, let's take it right out of the equation because I think like when, when you talk about this situation, what I hear is like how to care carefully and how to care effectively right? Like that's what I think about. So you're, you're, you're drawing this analogy to the quicksand thing, right? Yeah. And so for example, you know, okay. So when you talked about sympathy and not necessarily, so let's, let's not, let's not even use those words, sympathy and empathy, but you know, throwing, throwing the rope in and falling or not throwing the rope in and falling in, but jumping in, you said, right. I think. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So jumping in, that's like, that's, that's caring and trying to help just, I guess, in a way that's not effective because you're not being aware of your own, your own needs, right? Mm. Um, and your own well-being. And then I think like the example around, you know, throwing in the rope and hauling the person out, that is more so being aware of your own, you know, well-being and your own needs. But then I think there's another component. I think you, you alluded to it a little bit is what kind of help does the person want? I think it's really important just, just from my perspective, but also I think like, so on a personal perspective, but also as a non-mental health professional, but like just a dude who's trying to help people with a software startup with a couple of other people. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it's just really important to understand how people want to be helped and to try and meet them there. Because there are plenty of there's plenty of situations where you might jump into that hole or throw a rope in and the person's like, it doesn't mean anything, right? Or they're not going to grab hold of the rope or they're like, welcome to the hole. Like you shouldn't have jumped in. I'm just thinking of people in my life who have struggled with addiction and alcoholism. Mm-hmm. It takes a long time for folks to, especially when they're doing it, to try to... Um, to try to get away from the pain that they're in from, you know, some event or from mental illness or whatever. All right. It takes a long time for people to truly be able to get to a point where they're ready to make sustained action, take sustained action to get out of that hole. And so for a lot of people who are, um, I call them like affected others, 
of you know somebody with addiction or alcoholism the chat and the affected others being like okay you know the the wife the husband the friend the you know the partner the you know the parents the children whatever right mm-hmm. there's people that are around you they try to they see the pain that the person's in they try to throw the rope and you know the person just doesn't grab the rope and then it's like there's this immense amount of pain for the affected other like why didn't you grab the rope don't you want to grab the rope don't you care about yourself don't you care about me don't you care about how things are and it's very hard to understand from an emotional perspective but the condition of addiction is very complicated for example and you know you and it's it's similar to like okay you know here maybe this is something uh, i'm wondering if folks you know uh encounter this a little bit more it's like you know okay like you know somebody has a heart attack and um you know maybe they're overweight and they don't you know exercise and that kind of stuff and they have a heart attack and it's like a wake-up call when they start eating well and then they start exercising and then they fall back into old habits it's mm-hmm. like like why is that and then for the affected others for the family members it's often like really painful right because mm-hmm. it's like you know, like, don't you want to be well? Like, that was such a terrible experience. But now we're getting into, like, behavioral health, you know, and that's just, I kind of broadly define that as health that's affected by behavior. So it could be mental health, could be emotional wellness. Uh, Again, I'm not a health professional. Mm -hmm. Um, It could be, but it even could be things like irritable bowel syndrome. It could be things like heart health. It could be things like diabetes, right? Like, all of these things are affected by the behaviors, that we do, the things that we do every day affect these conditions. And it can be really hard to understand why somebody might not do all the right things. And largely what I'd like to figure out in 10 years is like how to help people with Moody is how to help people make the right decisions around their behavioral health. I don't quite know how it's going to work, but you know, I've got, got 10 years to figure it out yeah hey that's a great 10-year plan yeah I love that you're talking about this too because I was actually just I was thinking about that more again um last night and today because I go through these these waves of being really healthy and like and really like setting to like setting a routine and really sticking to it and eating healthier and uh exercising regularly and then I go through this lull of being inactive, eating McDonald's every week (laughs) (laughs) and sleeping in, you know, not sticking to any kind of routine. And And how do you find that relates to your mental health and like how you feel? Oh my gosh. I, so I had McDonald's last night and I was just like, because, because I was out late at a meeting, I didn't have supper. I'm on my way home. And it's because my schedule, it's because I didn't take proper care of my schedule yesterday and have a healthy meal to eat before I left. Like it's this chain reaction. And so I got home. I, yeah, like just like Ralph down a Big Mac, like it was no one's business. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> and I'm going to bed and I'm thinking, I feel absolutely miserable. Like mm. I feel like gross 
but also just like kind of sad, like because I'm not taking care of myself. Mm. And it's so amazing. There's, like, there's there's two components to that, right? Tell me, two components. Well, I think like the first component is you don't feel good because you did something that like doesn't make you feel good. Yeah. Right. So you know, you know what, and that can be so many things, right? Like it could for for people that could be, you know, spending too much time in bed, you know, not seeing their friends enough or you know, working too much or, or whatever. Right. But yeah. then the second, the secondary level, you know, the secondary thing that comes out of that is like what you said, this is what I understand anyways. Oh, oh goodness. I'm turning into like a, uh, a, a counselor or something, <laughs> but like, you, because it's not just the event that happened. It's like you reflect on the event and you're like, Oh, I'm going to be hard on myself now. Oh. Or like, you know, and for really like for, you know, for a Big Mac, you might be like, oh, disappointment. I don't know. But then there's stuff like in our lives where we're like, I'm like really ashamed and embarrassed that, you know, I messed this up. Right. Yes. So oh, and it, I love and it, it really, it really messes with people. Yeah, it does. And actually, so we have to uh, we're going to have to wrap this up shortly. But I want to say uh, I love that you were saying that, too, because it made me think of something that my psychologist has said to me, which is the way that people react to you telling them something that you're really ashamed about has a huge impact on the healing process afterwards. And interesting. Yeah. And I think that it can tie into what you're saying, too, which is like your reaction to yourself when you've done something that you're feeling not great about your reaction to yourself is going to have an impact on your healing process. I think so. And I mean, and that's, that's, I think that's in to tie it back to Moody, I guess that's one of the reasons why we're just trying to be, you know, present as objective, you know, non-biased mm-hmm. information to people as possible. Right. Because it's like, you know, you're, everybody's going to be at their own. So we were talking about actions, behaviors, routines, and how you feel. So that's like, that's Moody, right? That's so, moody. Yeah. And I just think that, um, you know, and, 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 and if you, and if anybody downloads it after listening to this and finds it not, not, not a, to be a little bit lacking in features, I'll get you more features. I promise. Um, <laughs> just give me some time. Anyways, just give me some time. But, <laughs> um, different people, people are different points in their journeys. So like, you know, don't want to, don't want to influence that. Right. Yeah. You got to respect it. I love some that. people, some people might be hard on themselves. Other people might not be, I don't know. I'm generally a fan of like finding a balance between being able to like reflect on what happened, not being too hard on yourself. I'm really bad at this cause I'm really hard on myself, Me too. but, um, yeah. And then, but I think like optimally for me, like a balance is like be, reflect on what happened or what's going on or whatever the situation is, find a way to move forward without, you know, being too hard on yourself or getting into the shame game because that's just not helpful. Amen. Amen. I loved talking with you and I really appreciate you uh, going through some of this, some of your inspiration for Moody and then kind of counseling me a little bit, even though you're not a professional. (laughs) Uh, Just two human beings having a good chat, I think. I love that. And that's where I think that's also a huge part of where healing starts. Just being able to have a nice conversation about about these deep, important things. So thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me on the show. Yeah. And uh, I I am looking forward to seeing 
where Moody goes in the next 10 years. So I'm going to, can I, can I take a few minutes uh, or a half a minute just to plug what we've got coming up? I was going to ask you to please do that. Yes. What we're working on right now is pretty, you know, it's pretty big for us. We tried to figure out this, um, well, we're figuring out, we're, we're close to it, um, how to connect counselors, therapists, even psychologists to their clients, to their patients in a meaningful way. And sort of be able to just to get a look into that a bit more of that objective data and then, you know, draw their own conclusions in session. And so we chatted a lot with um, we chatted a lot with our clinical advisor and we've we're running a pilot right now at Atlantic Wellness and um, which is the community therapy center in Moncton. Um, so we've actually got this running right now and we're doing early access. Um, we're doing early access uh, sales for the uh, for access to this platform. But basically what it is, it's a, it's a platform for you to connect to your therapist or vice versa. And it's totally, it's totally de-risked. So what that means is we've basically made it impossible for, you know, those 2am, like, you know, I'm not well, or, you know, for the, for clinicians to get a message on Sunday. Um, it's, it's just basically impossible for anything like that to happen. So it's a lot safer and a lot less risky from a clinician side. So if you are a clinician who's interested in using some technology, some, an app, you know, in conjunction, you know, with your therapy or even giving it a try, um, go to feelingmoody.com. That's M-O-O-D-I-E, feelingmoody.com slash optimistically depressed. And, uh, We'll give you uh, we'll give you twenty five percent off your first uh, your first three months. Anyone listening to this? That's amazing. So say it again for us to to be able for the, those of us writing it down. Feelingmoody.com slash feelingmoody.com. Should we do a shorter link? I don't know. Is that is that too long? Or is it good? I think that's good. Optimistically okay, so- depressed. <laughs> Sometimes <laughs> typing out optimistically depressed is uh, a little bit trickier, but the short of that is OD, which mm, yeah, I don't like that. I don't yeah. like that either. So I think maybe <laughs> sticking with okay. optimistically so depressed fe- is good. I'm, I'll do too. So you can go to feelingmoody.com slash optimistically depressed, um, you know, to get 25% off your first three months um, as a, uh, as a therapist or as a clinician. And um, I'll also do feelingmoody.com slash O-P-D-E. So the first two letters. Love O-P-D-E it. Of O-P-D-E. Depressed. So they'll both go to the same place. So you can go to either one. Feelingmoody.com slash optimistically depressed, all lowercase, or feelingmoody.com slash O-P-D-E. Perfect. And I'll put that in the pot in our episode description as well so that people can have that easily available so they know where to go. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. It. Yes. And uh, everyone listening, thank you so much for taking the time to listen. We really value your time. We really appreciate the fact that you're tuning in. And just know that wherever you are, Pat and I are sitting here loving you. So have a great morning, evening, afternoon, night. We'll be talking to you soon.